How many of you guys are ready to get going this morning? Come on, we're going to jump right in. We are excited to have you. We're excited to celebrate baptisms today. If you want to go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles, uh, you can do that to Matthew chapter 16. That's where we're really going to hang out today. We are so excited to move into week three of a series we've been in called Crazy Good because we believe that God in his word, through his word, teaches us uh, how to have crazy good life, man, how to, how to live our life in such a way that it glorifies him and it's just a crazy good life. So the first week we talked about crazy good life. Last week we talked about crazy good marriage, right? We talked about what that looks like. I've gotten emails and messages and all kinds of stuff all week long about how that's just been so powerful and impactful for so many people. So if you can think of anybody that needs that, make sure you share that with them. And today I want to talk about this. I want to talk about crazy good sanity. Crazy good sanity. I know you may be like, why in the world are we talking about sanity on Baptism Sunday? And here's why. Because we're going to talk about something that we all need to stand on. And we're going to talk about something that every person that goes into that tub today is standing on and has and believes in. And it's called an absolute truth. How many of you guys walk through life and there's just days, man, you just want to scream. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? You just, it feels like your head's spinning. It's just like, oh my God, everything. It's not just vying for your attention, right? But it's, it's trying to win you to one side or the other. No matter what, like friendships, it's like, hey, this person did this, so you should stand over here with me. And if you do, you're wrong. And then if you go over here and you do the same thing, they're trying to win you to this side and you're wrong. If you stand in the middle, you haven't thought for yourself and you're wrong. Like, it doesn't matter. We live in this world where everything is trying to win us to a side, right? It's not just about distractions. It's not just about focus. It's about everything's trying to drive us nuts right now. I think everything's trying to divide us. I mean, we got pandemics going on. We got masks and we got vaccines and we got, you know what I'm saying? You got politics. Like, you got so much. You got football. You got Clemson and Carolina. Some, uh, hey, listen, listen. I go ahead and tell you, y'all need to loosen up a little bit, all right? I can already tell there's some people in here that are upset today. You're upset, and I want to help you. Is there any Clemson fans in the room? Any Clemson fans? Right there. Y'all are mad at me right now. Like, you are judging me at this moment. I just want to help. I am here. Number one, I rejoice in your pain, okay? I just want you to know. I'm a Gamecock. I rejoice. Praise God. I feel your pain every single week, but I... (laughs) So I want to help you because you don't know what it's like to lose a whole lot. We do, okay? And so I want to let you know, I got this phrase. I got a phrase that every, every Gamecock fan, we know this phrase. In fact, when I go to say it, every Gamecock fan is going to be able to finish my sentence. I want to help Clemson fans today because you feel a little insane. You're sad. You know, you're just like, I just, we lost, right? And I want to help you through that because I'm your pastor. (laughs) And I love you. And I want to help the pain you feel deep down inside that I love. Anyway, so watch this. This is a phrase. It's going to help you. You ready? Maybe next year. (laughs) All right? Just say it with me. Maybe next year. Yeah, that's all you got to say. It helps you. And then you can go, oh, yeah, maybe next year. I got something to look forward to. And you're good. Trust me, I've been doing it for 38 years. Okay? It helps. We won one SEC East Championship, and I still say it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it works. It, 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 next year hasn't come, but by God, in the name of Jesus, right now, I declare. That's all you got to do. Maybe next year. It's okay. But everything's trying to vie for our attention. I'm trying to have a little fun with you today. That's all. Vie for our attention. It's trying to 
divide us. It's trying to get us on one side or the other. And I think it can drive us a little crazy. It can drive us a little insane. It can make us feel like we don't know where to go or we don't know what to do and we don't know how to think and we don't know what to go through and all this stuff's going on. And watch this. How many of you guys, it, it's a little bit like this. How many of you guys played play tag growing up? Anybody play tag growing up? Yeah, we played tag growing up, right? Play tag. I lived back in the woods, right? And I played tag all the time. I played tag with cows. Like, they chased me up a tree. I'm not kidding you. I was chased up a tree by a bull. And, um, and what would happen is I wasn't the fastest. Like, I wasn't the fastest guy. I was athletic. I could move. Now, I could move. I could get in and out of poles. I could slide up under bushes. I could get out of the way. But I just wasn't quick. I didn't have the wheels other people, other people had. So there was this thing in, in tag. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And if you got to this place, you were safe. You couldn't get tagged. It was called what? It was called base. This is base. And if I'm on base, you can't tag me. You can't tag me on base. And so I was smarter than anybody else I played with. You know, like, I wasn't fast, but I was smart. And so I never moved too far from base. <laughs> never got too far, because if I got too far, I had to run. And John, if I ran, I was going to get called. <laughs> so I didn't get too close. So here's what I'd do. I'd run over here, and I'd get the person thinking, like, that they're going to get me. And I'd let them get a little close to me. I'd be like, hey, I'm over here, and let them get close. Now run over here. I'm on base. Ha-ha. <laughs> I was that guy. I was also the kid that would punch my brother in the stomach. When he went to hit me back, I'd get him in trouble. But we'll, anyway, it all works in together. It's a personality flaw. Anyway, so, and I'd run over here. I'd be like, hey, I'm over here. I'm over here. Oh, I'm on base. You can't get me. I'd be like, hey, what you doing, slope? <laughs> on base. Some of you guys did the same thing, right? It's, it's always on base. It's, I'm on base. You can't tag me. If you tag me, then, 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 then you're out. And, and you lose, like, I'm, not, I'm on base. And, and here's the issue. Here's why a lot of us feel really crazy and feel like we're going insane and we have no sanity is because we have no base. We have nowhere to run to. We have nothing that keeps us safe. We have nothing to go to that says this is how it is. This is the truth. This is what works. This is where I'm safe. And what we do is we run our life. We're like, I'm going over here. This is the truth for me. Oh, I'm on a truth over here. This is the truth for me. No, 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 no. This is my truth. And by the end of it, we're tired. And we're frustrated. And it's because we don't have an absolute truth. We have all relative truths. And a relative truth is determined by what we want to believe about the circumstance in the moment. And so we're over here, we're like, oh, this is my truth today. My truth is, is I identify, I identify here and I do this and I do that. Let's just talk about it. And this is my truth. But then when it's over, it's like, I don't feel that way anymore. And so we'll run over here and we'll run over here and we'll run over here and we're exhausted and we're frustrated. And it's because we got no base to go to, to know that we're safe. In the Bible, in Jesus, I'm way out of breath. And God gives us an absolute truth. And here's what an absolute truth is. An absolute truth doesn't change. An absolute truth doesn't shift. It's not based on circumstance. It's not based on what you're going through. It's not based on who you are. It's not based on what you think. It's not based on what you feel like. It's based on truth. Let me illustrate it for you. Pastor Chris and I. He, I love Pastor Chris. He's on staff. He's our worship pastor and our creative pastor here. He's great. But Pastor Chris doesn't take very many chances and risks, 
right? He's just safe, right? I need to be pretty safe. And so he talks me into being safe. He'll tell me something like, Pastor, like I had an illustration idea one time. He goes, you're crazy. No, you're not doing that. You're not going to break your leg on the stage in front of everybody. I was like, but it would be great. And everybody would remember. But let's say, let's say, it's a true story. Let's say I talk him into getting on the top of the roof with me, on the top of this building. And we walk over to the edge of the building, and I look at Pastor Chris, and I say, Pastor Chris, I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump. Because if I jump, my truth is that ground is, is soft. My truth, and this is a phrase that scares me that's out there. Well, this is my truth. My truth is not truth. Just because it's your truth, that makes it your opinion. And it means that you filtered something through your, your lens of how you were raised. And that doesn't necessarily make it true. That just makes it how you think and how you feel. I've done it too. And so I look at him and I go, my truth is that that's like a mattress. And when I jump on that and I jump on the grass down there, it's going to cushion me so much I won't even get hurt. You know what he's going to look at me and say? You crazy. What's wrong with you? How many shots of espresso did you have in your coffee this morning, Pastor? He's going to look at me and go, you've lost it. I'm going to go, no. That's my truth. My truth is if I jump, I'm not going to get hurt because it's soft. Well, I, he would look at me and go, I don't care what your truth is. The truth is that that's the ground. And it's going to hurt. And guess what will happen when I jump? It's going to hurt. It's not going to be a mattress that you jump on, is it? I'm going to break something. I'm going to hurt something. Why? Because my truth didn't change the truth. And a lot of us are walking around going, well, that's my truth, but it's not the truth. And we got to have a truth that we run to as our base to go, this is where I'm at. It's not based on what I feel like. It's not even based on what I want to do. Can I tell you something? God did not ask your opinion before he created you. I know, I know. You're supposed to be nice. I am. I want to help us through this thing. See, the truth is the absolute truth that we can stand on, and it doesn't change based on if I want it to, if I like it, if I don't like it. Truth is truth. That's the way it is. And what I do know is that I can stand in this. I can have a truth in God. I can have a truth in his word. I can have a truth in his love. I can have a truth in the salvation of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus. I can have truth because watch this. I know a lot of you are sitting there thinking, I know what you're thinking. And it's all good. I get it. You're good. Well, of course you believe that the word of God is true. You're a preacher. Of course you believe God is truth. You're a pastor. No, see, I don't believe that because I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because I believe that. And see, there's a big difference. The reality is, is that this right here isn't just something that's made up. It's historically proven as accurate. Do you know that the, the kingdoms and the battles that you see in the Old Testament and read about and all the kings that are read about in the Old Testament, did you know that historically, before they could go read National Geographic, this was written? written? And did you know that every one of those is historically accurate and it's the way that, they, that it happened and it's the kings, the exact kings that were in control when all that took place? They couldn't go to google.com and figure it out. It happened that way. Did you know that there's a lot of prophecies in the book of Isaiah and Zechariah and all over the place, prophecies in there that have already been fulfilled? It's historically accurate. Did you know that historically Jesus rode from the dead? Did you know that historically the earthquake that took place whenever he breathed his last and the veil was torn in half actually took place? 
Do you know that the temple was where they said it was? I've stood in the place where they said that the Ark of the Covenant was. And I've stood there. It was there. It's historically accurate and it's happened. And so we go around and we're like, oh, that's not my truth. This is truth. It's not just historically proven. Spiritually proven. It's spiritually proven. And watch this. It's even logically proven. There's no other book in the universe that you can pick up and read, and it can, it'll give you an answer to every issue you've ever had. There's something in here that can help you. There's something in here. Got marriage problems? Right here. Figuring out how to be a parent? Right here. Lost somebody in your family and it's hurting? Right here. Going through uncertainty? Right here. Don't know who you are? Right here. It's all in here, and it all, watch this, supersedes generations. It's not just for 2,000 plus years ago. See, there's a truth of God's love that is taught to us in his word and through experience with him. Here's, here's the truth for you. I'm going to give you this truth. This is the truth of God's love for us isn't based on circumstance, but it is based on his character. God's love for you and for me, watch this. It is not based on what has happened in your life. It is not based on whether or not he answered the prayer the exact way that you prayed it. God's love for you, can I, let me put it to you like this. There is nothing that you can do today to make God love you more. Nothing. And there is nothing you can do today to make God quit loving you. But there is a lot we can do to draw closer to him. To feel his love. To hear his love. To experience his love in a greater way. But there's nothing I can do to make him stop loving me and to make him love me more. Why? Because it's not based on what I'm going through or what I've done. It is simply based on the fact that he is loving and he is caring and he is my father and he is our creator and he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He is yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He never fades. He never goes away. And I wish there was a church that was excited about the character of God in this room because the reality is it doesn't change based on how you felt this morning. Woke up in a bad mood, didn't change God's love. It's just who he is. He doesn't know how to do anything but love. Oh, yeah, then why, why does he tell me not to do things? Because he loves you. The same reason that my parents told me not to touch a hot stove. Because they love me and they want to keep me away from it. God loves us so much. It's not based on what you do. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on relativity. It's not based on circumstances. It's just based on him. And there's some scriptures in Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 19 that actually gives us a question that if we'll answer this question, it'll give us a little bit of base. It actually determines our base. It actually gives us the absolute truth that we can stand on today. And, and in Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 19, I, I love reading scriptures where Jesus is just hanging out, having conversations. I, I love those scriptures because... I like having conversations so I can relate, right? And so it says, now Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi and he was asking his disciples, who, who do people say that the son of man is? In other words, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist and others say Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or, or, or just one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. 
I also say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I, I, I love this conversation that's happening here, and, and I just want to tell you that absolute truth how much you depend and how much you lean and how much we think about absolute truth is based on how we answer that one question. Who do you say that I am? Jesus, Jesus is just asking. They're just sitting around, maybe at a bonfire. I don't know. So I want to ask you this question the way that he would ask it. Who is God to you? Who, who is Jesus to you? See, your answer determines how you lean on absolute truth. Is he just, well, Jesus to me or God to me is a, is a prayer answerer. He just answers my prayers, okay? So he's a genie in a bottle. That's all you'll ever receive. Well, God is a, is a check writer. He, only, he, he, he gives me my finances that I need, okay? Well, he's a banker for you then. God, God is, is the, you know, whatever, however we answer that question, and the reality is, is that maybe if we don't answer it with the fullness of who he is, we don't get to experience the fullness of who he is. Because here's the reality, and here's what I know in life. Watch this. You receive what you perceive. And so if I only perceive Jesus as somebody that just answers the prayers when I ask him, all I'll ever have is somebody that lends an ear when I need it. He can't be a savior when I don't receive him as that. In fact, Jesus said it like this earlier in Matthew. What does he say? He says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. What does he mean? That I can, here's literally what he was saying. I can't go into my own hometown and do everything God's asked me to do because they can't see me as anything more than a little kid kicking a soccer ball against the house. They won't see me as the creator of the universe. They won't see me as the savior of the universe, excuse me. They won't see me as God on earth in flesh. They won't see me as the one that'll take the sins that they can't pay for and hang it on a cross. They don't see me as that, so therefore they won't experience that at the greatest level. And I don't want that for you. And so I ask you very bluntly and very plainly, and I ask you to answer this question at some point in your life, who is God to you? Who is God to you? Because that is absolute truth of who he is, and, and when we're in this thing, I, I want you to understand that the way you answer that is not based on perfection. In fact, let me give you this thought real quick. It's, you don't have to be perfect, but we can trust the one who is. God never asks us to be perfect. God never asks us to not struggle. God never asks us not to have a hard time sticking with the parameters that he's placed in our life. God never asked that. In fact, can I just set you free? Some of you feel like every time you struggle with something that you're being bound again. Can I tell you, it's not the struggle that's the problem. It's what we do with the struggle. It's do I look and go, this is not of God. This struggle is not something God set up for me. And because he didn't set it up for me, I'm going to walk away from that. See, we don't get in trouble for struggling. I get in trouble whenever I give in to the struggle. And God never asks us to be perfect. He asks us to be faithful. And we can trust the one who is perfect. We can trust Jesus who died on the cross as the only perfect man. But at that time when he hung on that cross, it says that he became our sins. So he took everything that we couldn't pay for and we couldn't handle. And he hung it on a cross and he breathed his last. And then he took it down. And, he, and, and, he's, and he's now at the right hand of the Father interceding and praying in his perfect state for you and for me to redeem everything that we couldn't pay for. 
That's the one that we get to trust. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with things. I struggle with stuff. Like there's times, you know, you want to say things you shouldn't say. Y'all quit acting holy up in here. You want to think things, you want to act ways you shouldn't act. Can I tell you that's okay? But what do you do when you know it's not right? What do you do when you struggle? And God's just like, I just need you to trust me. Who do you say that I am? Here's three quick things, real quick, uh, to help you with sanity. You ready for this? Y'all ready? Is this helping anybody? Y'all got to wake up. This is the last service, so here we go. Three things, three quick things. Don't let everybody define you. Don't let everybody define you. In fact, I'll say it like this. Stop letting other people define you. In fact, I, I love in, in, in Matthew uh, 16 right here, he says it like this in verse 13. Jesus asked the question very, very strategically and intentionally. He says, who do people say that I am? In other words, he's looking at this group of disciples that hang out with him, talk to him, that's been around the miracles with him, that's been with him throughout his life, and he looks at him and goes, hey, everybody else that doesn't get this time with me, who do they say that I am? Well, Jesus, they say you're a good prophet. They say you're a good guy. You say good things. They think you have a direct connection with God and you speak things from God, but they don't believe that you're the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And so, Jesus, they call you things like John the Baptist or, or Elijah or Jeremiah or another prophet. They think you're a good prophet, but they, and then he goes, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. Now, let's separate what they define me as. And now, let me ask you, who do you define me as? Who am I to, to you? Let's take away their definition. Let me get your definition. Who do you say that I am? The one that you've walked with me and you've looked me in my eye. You've heard my character and you've been with me through this whole thing. You've spent time with me and I'm Jesus. Like, who do you say that I am? And what does Peter say? He says, you are what? The Christ. Now, he's not calling Jesus by his last name. Like, we can think that, I know I grew up thinking Christ was Jesus' last name. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is his label. Jesus was not an uncommon name in that day, but so they called him Jesus Christ, which literally means Jesus the anointed one. The anointed one. What, why was he anointed for? He was anointed by God to carry out the mission of God on earth. And so when Peter looks at him and goes, hey, they say you're a prophet. I say you're anointed. I say you're sent. I say you're the son of God. I say you have a purpose. I say you have a plan. I say there's something in this world that you're going to do that nobody else can do because you are the anointed one. You are the Christ. You are the one that's going to change everything. You're the one that's going to save sins. You're the one that's going to bring deliverance. You're the one that's going to bring freedom. You're the one that's going to bring everything that God wants on the earth. Why? Because you are the Christ. I love how that is, and, and Peter goes, listen, they say you're a prophet. I say you're anointed. See, they say you're another man. I say you are the son of man. They, they, they say that you could be a good guy. I say that you are the son of God. I say that you're the Messiah. I say that you're the one that's going to change everything. We can't be defined by Jesus and directed by everyone else. We can't be defined by Jesus and directed by everybody else. So we have to quit letting people define us. Here's, here's another point that's found in here. We, we can't let people, we have to stop letting people define us. We have to lean into revelation from God. This one's so important. Watch this. It says in here, whenever Peter answers him and says this, what does Jesus say? Blessed are you uh, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What is revelation? Revelation is when God speaks to your spirit something about heaven, 
about his word and about God that you that he wants you to know it's a direct revelation it's the revealing of something in the heavenly realm it's God speaking to your spirit something it's why that revelation is why you can read one scripture 15 times and then on that 16th time you sit back and you go holy cow that just changed my life it, it, it's why you can spend time in prayer and pray on one thing the entire time for 30 minutes and never pray on anything else because God's revealing something to you about that moment. It's why you can walk away from things that you know you shouldn't be involved in. It's because God's revealing to you something in that moment. But it's hearing God's voice. Let me, let me explain it like this, right? A, a lot of time we want revelation, but we won't listen to his voice. I hear all the time, I don't know what God sounds like. God doesn't speak to me. I would push back and say, that's not even theologically accurate. God does speak to us. Do you know any father on the face of the universe that doesn't want to speak to his kids? No, even the worst fathers want to at some point, they just suppress it. God wants to speak to us. He wants to be with us. But here's the issue. It's hard to hear somebody that you're not close to. Let me illustrate it like this. At my house, I don't have a big house, but I do have a recliner I like to sit in. It's in front of my TV, and my TV's got Sports Center on it, right? I love, like this time of the year, we don't watch TV all year long, and I'll subscribe to a streaming service just to watch college football all the time. Love college football. And then when the college football season's over, guess what I'm going to do? Cancel it. Don't care. Nothing else I want to watch. And so I'll sit in my recliner, and I'll be watching TV, and my wife, she'll be in the back of the house. And, there, <laughs> and there's three doors that are closed between me and her. And the most important thing she's ever shared with me in 13 years of marriage all of a sudden hits her head. And she thinks that it's the most important thing that she begins to tell me that. But the problem is, she's across the house with three doors closed, and she doesn't raise her voice. She just starts telling me. Hey, babe, you know this? You know, the most important thing that I could ever tell you in the history of the universe that you need to know right now at this time, at this very minute of the day. And then she tells me and she gets out. She walks down the hall. She comes and I'm just sitting there and I'm not thinking about anything. Ladies, can I just tell you something, wives? You can, like we men, when you say, hey, what are you thinking about? And we say nothing, we're not lying. It is 100% true and accurate that we can do that. I know, it makes no sense. Y'all are like, how is that possible? I don't know. We can just stare a hole in the wall and not think about a thing. And it's okay. It's fun for us, actually. We enjoy it. Like, that's what we do. And I can, she can come down the hall and she'll go, what do you think about that? And I'll just look at her. And by the look on her face, I can tell if it was important or not. And I just go, yeah, baby, I got you. Let's do this. Let's go change the world. Right? No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Because it got me in trouble one time, so I never did it again. Um. I agreed to something I never wanted to agree to in the first place. No, I look at her and go, I don't know. Were you talking to me? And she's like, yeah, I've been back there talking for 10 minutes. And I'm like, you're on the other side of the house and there's doors closed and, and TV on. And i like, what? And then sometimes I'll hear her start talking and I'll hear her talking back there. And, and I'll just think these two things. I'm not kidding you. I'll have this thought. She's either going crazy or she thinks that I hear her. Right? She lives with me, so the option one is very possible. And so I'll mute the TV, I'll kick the recliner down, I'll get up, I'll walk down the hallway, and I'll go stand in the bedroom where she is. My kids do the exact same thing and expect me to know exactly what they said when I ain't even heard a thing they said. And I'll go stand in the same bedroom with her or the same room with her, and she'll talk to me. And guess what? It's amazing what happens. I can hear her. 
It's incredible. I know what she's saying. And I looked at her one time and I said, babe, you have professionally diagnosed me with selective hearing. You have to at least make sure that I'm in the same room. I can't hear. Right? And, and here's the reality, right? I can hear when we're in the same room. I can hear when we're face to face. I can hear when we're in the same vicinity. Yet, I want to complain that God's not speaking loud enough when I don't do anything to get in the room that he's moving in. I can't get revelation from God. I can't get truth from God. I can't get uh, a wisdom from God. I can't hear his voice when I won't get in the room with him. When the only time I ever, and I know, like, I'm not beating you up. This was me for a long time in Christianity. Hey, I'll take my Bible. I'll open it up on Sundays. When the preacher reads it, I'll read that scripture, and I'm good for seven days. How many of you only eat one meal a day for seven days? Come on, it's good. And then we want to know why our bodies are okay, but our spirits are sick. And we got to get to this thing where we're like, no, God, I want to be in the same room with you. I want to be where you're moving. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to be face to face. I want to draw closer to you. I want to be with you. Give me that revelation. We got to lean into that. Let me give you this thought, and then I got I got to move on because we got to baptize some folks. We got to celebrate. Let's go. But like, you know that 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 knot in your stomach sometimes, like when you're doing something or maybe not doing something or. That person walks in and you know you're supposed to say something and you feel that knot in your stomach and you, and you feel that like uneasiness. Y'all know what I'm saying? Is anybody else? Is it me? It's not just me. And you feel it right there. Do you know why? Because scientifically our guts are the same thing as a reptilian brain. In the spirit, there's actually a word in the, in the Greek that means reptilian brain for spirit. Watch this. Your spirit is speaking to you. When that happens. Your spirit is telling you, you should probably say that. Or you should probably walk away. Or you should probably walk towards. Or you should probably, whatever, you should probably go pray for them. And you feel it right here. And it's like, oh, man. That's God trying to tell you. Or or watch this. Somebody walks in the room and you get this. You just like, I just want to go tell them this. I just want to go tell them that you're amazing and you're incredible and God's got great things for your life. And dude, like, you're just an amazing guy. And I just want you to know God's got his hand on you. But we don't do it because, well, that's just weird. But if we lean into revelation, it doesn't become weird. It becomes obedient. Like, hey, I just really want to, I just really want you to hear this today. Like, sometimes I walk up to people and just go, hey, I just want you to know you matter. Your life matters. That's not just a phrase here. Like, I say it all the time. You matter. That's, that's listening to God. That's hearing, hearing God's voice. Watch this. And the last one is, you don't have to die on every hill. You don't have to fight every fight you're invited to. Sometimes, watch this. This is crazy. This is crazy. It's going to blow your mind. Sometimes you don't have to fight. Sometimes you can walk away. Sometimes you don't have to argue. Sometimes you don't have to go through all that stuff. Watch this. What did Jesus say? He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church hadn't even been established yet. The big C church. Acts has never taken place yet. Which is what released and established the church in the earth. In Acts chapter 1, 120 people began praying about the move of the Spirit and the move of God in the church. And in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people accepted Jesus. And over the next 20 years, it grew from 3,000 to 120, over 100,000 in that time frame. Why? Because the church was established and began to grow. 
That hadn't happened yet. So Jesus is going, hey, the very thing that you haven't even started to do yet, I'm going to build it and I'm going to protect it so much that the gates of hell will not come against it. Why is that important to us? Because God has a plan for your life. God's already got it figured out. He already knows how to protect you. He already knows how to fight for you. He already knows how to win every battle. And the reality is every battle on Facebook, you don't have to type in the comments. You don't have to talk to your friend about. You don't have to get mad about. I am so tired of people fighting battles that are believers in Jesus that I think God doesn't even care about sometimes. Like I'm t- I had a guy tell me one time, I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's a good guy. I had a guy tell me one time, I used to have this goatee right, right here. I had this goatee. I had it for years right here, because I can't grow any other facial hair, and I had this goatee, and I was an associate pastor and a youth pastor, and I preached about every Sunday night, and this guy looked at me, and he said, men of God, men of God do not have facial hair, and I looked at him, and I was like, oh yeah, that's literally what I said, in my mind, I was like, Jesus, like, you do know who that is, right, like, he wasn't black or white, he was like from the Middle East, And the Bible actually says that they pulled the hair from his beard. Like they were plucking his beard so beards don't grow on your head. That's called hair. Beards are on your face. And he told me, he said, I will not come hear you preach until you shave. Okay, you're lost, bud. I didn't actually say that. I didn't want to, but it was arrogant. (laughs) So right before we left that church, it was a good situation. I I love that church. still do dearly. Right before we left that church and to come start this church, actually. Um, I slipped up when I was shaving and I got half my goatee. Any man that has facial hair knows that that is a devastating day in your life. when you don't do it on purpose. I didn't do it on purpose. And I was like, well, I'm not walking around with half a goatee. So I shaved it off. That was a Saturday night. Sunday morning, I show up to church. I go and talk to my friend. I talked to him every Sunday. I thought he was a hilarious guy. I thought he was a great guy. He noticed I didn't have facial hair anymore. I was preaching that night. Guess who came and sat and listened to me preach that night? And I, But here's what I wanted to look at him and say. Is that really the hill you want to die on? Is the style of worship music that they're listening to really the hill you want to die on? Like, is them having a tattoo really the hill you want to die on? Like, if it's not unbiblical and going to take us away from the love of God and the relationship with God, is it really the hill we want to die on? Like, is that really what we want to do? Or do we want to embrace somebody and walk up to somebody? I'm going to use John. And we just want to put our arms around him and just go, you know what? The hill I want to die on is I just want to love you and I want to love God and I want to do this thing together. And I don't really want to die on other hills. What, what if we just embrace that? How different would... I think, I think we'd see more baptisms and salvations and packed out churches and people going crazy for Jesus if we just started loving Jesus in front of people the way we were supposed to and shut up about half the other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I really believe that. And that's fine. Have a civil conversation. It is okay to agree to disagree. It's okay, y'all. Like he said, shut up twice. I mean it sometimes for me too and here's what I want to tell you today we're about to we're about to celebrate I gotta I gotta hush I want us to stand 
on absolute truth. Don't build your life on relative truth. Don't make a truth that's not there. Don't say, I want to live this way and do this and get in this lifestyle and make this happen and believe this and all that. No, 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 no. It's not about what we want. It is about the truth. The truth that Jesus loves you right where you are and entirely too much to leave you there. And God loves you so much that he gave his only son that we can have everlasting life with him and everlasting relationship with him and it never has to change. That's truth. And it's backed up. If you would stand to your feet with me, I want to pray with you. And then we're going to worship. And I just want to invite you to go in and worship. If you want to accept Jesus into your life today, you can find a a team member around here. We want to pray with you and lead you in that. But we're going to worship. And I encourage you, don't just sing, but worship God in this song today. And then we're going to baptize some people. Father, we honor you. We worship you. We give you everything. Thank you for truth. Thank you for absolute truth. Thank you for the fact that my crazy ADD mind can't make up truth. Because you've already done it. And I get to stand on that. And I get to call base. And I get to call safe. Because you love us. Help us celebrate today. We honor you in your name.